Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Natasha Bernarde. Coach Nat, where are you at and what are you up to? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me on the pod. Uh, well, I'm uh, in sunny London for a difference uh, today. Um, season is finished for my under-10s. I'm actually coaching uh, under-10s for Actonians, uh, which is a grassroots um, club dedicated just to girls here in the UK, uh, London-based. And uh, we finished the um, season with a boom. We won the Denham United tournament on the 4th of June. So that is my very first uh, cup and uh, the very first uh, tournament won for the girls. So excited um, and uh, a good way to end up a very, a very difficult season, I would say, because uh, the girls have struggled this year. What was it that drew you to that grassroots opportunity? So um, as I coach, I had an opportunity to coach uh, soccer, as you call it, <laughs> in the US, um, in a um, college environment. And here in the UK, college is like a secondary school, so 16, 18 years old girls. And uh, I've been thrown into the mud. It's like, oh, there is an opportunity here. You have a badge, so here you, off you go. So um, I didn't, I, I didn't feel that I was skilled enough to do it. And uh, but my manager at the time, she was very convincing, uh, probably because she needed a coach. And so, and with the support of the other people on my team, I was working for the sports academy at the time. I had the first uh, bite of being a coach of a women's team and I had a lot of fun. Um, so when I moved on with my role, um, I looked for an opportunity where I was living and uh, uh, somebody introduced me here at Actonians, which uh, has a history in the borough where I live in London, this part of London. And what attracted me to the club is that it's a very um, safe environment for girls and they have all the pathway from what is called here in the UK Wildcats, so recreational for five to 11 years old girls up until the first team, which is tier four. So um, at the time I was, uh, I didn't know, I was like, I was just like, I just want to keep coaching. And they offered me to look after the Wildcats girls, which I found challenging because I never, I never coached such a young age. But in the chat, you know, sometimes you need a good challenge and see how it goes. So I'm always a little bit humble. So I prefer to say, well, let's see how it goes. And then if we like each other, let's move on. And uh, that was in November 2019. And I've been uh, there since, moved on from Wildcats. I coached Wildcats for two years uh, with the pandemic in the middle. So I was doing some session even online because I love coaching. Um, and then I moved to the under nine last year, and uh, I, which I'm under 10 this year. So a journey that is in progression. And I would say also my journey as a coach has been in progression because what is, it was a hobby at the start um, is now becoming more and more a passion and something that I want to pursue. So I'm, uh, I completed my way for C this year. Uh, which is uh, a kind of a, a little bit higher level than the first level of coaching here in the UK. And I'm on my journey to try to get into the way for B, just to complete and being able to, not for me as a coach, but even for me as a coach, but also because when you coach, you know, you want to develop your players as much as possible, stretch them as much as possible. And sometimes 
I felt that my knowledge was not up to speed to what I would have loved to, to deliver to them. So hence my journey towards the WFC, which has changed completely my way of coaching. And right now, my journey to get more seat, more courses to implement what I learn and put into practice what I learn. You mentioned a little bit of a struggle this year with the girls, even though it ended up really, really well. What were some of the things that you all faced during the season? I think, uh, first of all, we moved. So when we played under nine, so we had five aside. So the format is 5v5. And then this year was 7v7. And so it was uh, kind of introducing a little bit more positional based. Uh, and I think we struggled a little bit with that. And at the start, probably we weren't so um, physical as other teams were. And uh, uh, I think, and that's where actually going through my WFC helped me in changing that and uh, kind of challenge my players or make the uh, design my practice a little bit more uh, in a way that was. I was able to implement the physicality of my players. So a lot of 1v1, 2v2 situation that they faced during the game. And I think that uh, they had to adapt to that. They had to adapt to work as a team. And possibly uh, sometimes, you know, when you're working, when you are volunteering in grassroots, you, have, you don't always have the same players available all the time. And you have the, and all the players need to play uh, a fair amount of, of game time. So I'm try I try to be um, fair and to make everyone playing. And sometimes, you know, uh, I had some goalkeepers not showing up, the ones that are more keen on being in goalie. And that makes a lot of difference, especially <laughs> with some teams. And I have to say, fairness to the opponents, a lot of uh, the opponents in our league were very strong. Uh, but um, we got some uh, incredible results. So we had a team called the Finchley, uh, which actually we are gonna we are gonna have a friendly soon, and they don't mind me saying that. But uh, we got a six-three defeat, and then the the week after we faced them, but we had uh, probably we had the stronger team at the time than them, and we won eight 0 So sometimes it's just the the um, grassroots way, which uh, anyways at our age they, we don't have really a table, and possibly results don't count. But uh, when I say we struggle as uh, as a team, means that you know the moral gets down when we lose mm. uh, uh, one after another. So it's it's hard sometimes to keep the moral up, even though the girls all the time have a good time, and I have picture all the pictures that I have when we leave the. Uh, the gra the the pitch is they are all smiling faces and all happy but you know sometimes it would be it would have been good to have a, a little bit of more winning than just the two in the whole year uh, but I think what uh, it was interesting when we went to the tournament and the tournament it was eleven games ten minutes each under the heat and uh, they really show commitment and they were happy at the end is like what do you think about this it's like oh we never achieved something so big in our life uh, it's the best day of our life and i think it was more for the the passion that they put in the game than the victory per se but um yeah no it was a great uh, a great end uh, even though yeah during the year we struggled so it paid off a little bit of the work at that <laughs> So you mentioned that you're in London, but I, I hear like a different accent kind of sneaking in. Where where did you grow up? And was that where you kind of got the first experience with a great game of soccer? 
yes, as you can guess from my accent, I'm not a Briton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm originally from Italy. That's where I grew up, uh, up until I was 35. Then I moved abroad. I lived in Sweden a couple of years. And uh, then uh, 10 years ago, I moved uh, in the UK following my passion for sport and finding a job in sport. Uh, I fell in love with football uh, due to Italia 90. So back in the World Cup of uh, Italy 90s, that's when I got hit by the football, sorry, soccer fever, I should say. Um, and uh, I, I've been everything with football. I was at, with soccer. I was a supporter at the start. Um, that's how I got, uh, and I knew everything, every start at the time of Italy, every information over the Italian teams. Then I got really passionate about the way Saki and the Milan, SC Milan was playing. So I went even to see them in San Siro. Then my team, my hometown team, which is Bologna, um, uh, got to Serie A. So I started to be a fan and uh, hit the, the stadium there. Then I was a ref for 12 years back in Italy of uh, soccer and futsal. Um, and I, I tried to play, I would say, in the 90s for what was considered uh, tier four at the time. But it was nearly, it, it, it was the lowest tier that it was possible to play for women. And uh, the, the game was uh, very, um, not even close to what is the women game here. Um, and one of, and at the time there were two, uh, and we, you know, in the 90s, no internet, nothing, but there were two players that will always remember, Mia Ham from the US, and uh, Carolina Moraccio, of course, from Italy. Those are the players that they were kind of my icons at the time. So that's where my passion of football started. And when I came to, to, the, to London, I had the opportunity to get a badge as a, a football coach because at the time I was working for um, football, a charity link to a football uh, team. And I wasn't really convinced that coaching was my thing, but I got thrown into into that, and uh, here I am now. When you talk about all of the your Bologna and all the like, what is soccer like in Italy? What's that passion like that people maybe here in the states don't understand? So I can resume at the time. There is one one thing. There was one slogan of uh, Coca Cola that in Italy was like uh, uh, drink and. Uh, um, Eat, uh, eat soccer, breathe soccer, drink Coca-Cola. And, <laughs> and that has been the life motive of a lot of us that were born up, up uh, in the 70s or in the 80s. Um, and I think that's what it is, my country. It's like you can see my home country. You can see football like, or soccer everywhere and everything rotates around it. There is, uh, you cannot escape to it, even if you hate it. And if, I don't know who does, but there are people that might do. Then you you cannot avoid it because it's in the news, it's in the radio, it's ev it, like you're surrounded. You're so into that, and everyone has an opinion. Even the, even my granny uh, has an opinion about soccer. You know, it's like if talk if I talk to my granny, she will have an opinion about my hometown team, even though she has never watched a game in her life, because it's so into the culture that you it, it's. It's unbelievable what it is there. Um, it's not, and unfortunately, it's more, I would say, it's more focused on, on guys and men's 
uh, then on the women's side, the women's side is a little bit behind in terms of uh, European development of uh, uh, women's soccer situation. But nevertheless, yes, there is this. And uh, everyone is attached firstly to their hometown or to some teams of Serie A for some sort. Um, and you never, so for example, I said, I confess that I was a AC Milan supporter and then I switched to my hometown. That is something that I shouldn't be proud of. And my friend is <laughs> like, you cannot have two jerseys. You always have just one until you die. And, uh, but I had to, because when you, when you attend a game, live game, and it's so accessible in a way, attending live games, uh, then you get passionate about your team, you get passionate about the fandom that surrounds your team, and uh, you get a grasp of the history. People are keep uh, start telling you what was at the time when your team was great, So, and you see the struggle. So, yeah, that's... And I think also soccer is really representative of how Italians are very passionate, dramatic at times, and... Uh, um, in a way, always uh, full of hope, even when it's a mission impossible to, to change the results. So it's a little bit kind of, I found it a little bit in line with how Italians are. So. You mentioned also refereeing. What was that experience like of refereeing, like being on the other side uh, in the mix? So referee in Italy, I kind of shape myself a lot because um, so I started referee late in the years. I, I was in my 20s uh, and I, I will be honest, I got the badge because uh, I, uh, because in Italy, if you have if you're a ref, you can go free to the stadium. And as a stu uh, university student, I was quite skint. So I was like, oh, let's get the badge of the ref so I could get into the stadium for free, attend the, the, the matches that I want. Um, and it was an experience because it gives you, it shapes you a lot of, uh, and it shapes you a lot in terms of discipline. You need to be, you know, we, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of strict rules for us as a ref. So you need to be at the venue when I want to have prior the game you need. And there are a lot of things that is more like a military thing that you need to check this, you need to do that. And I have to say there are not many women doing uh, ref. Um, so uh, the Italian Federation opened up to women in 1994, which is not long ago. Um, saying so, um, I was I arrived at the regional uh, ref. So I was I was traveling all the region to ref, uh, mainly futsal more than football. Uh, and we were 64 regional referees and just two women within the 64 at the time. So yes. So that was a challenge. Um, and, you know, like uh, it, you have, I was refereeing mainly men, um, sometimes women, which uh, it, I found it easier to ref women because yeah. they, they, they are more appreciative than the fact that you're a woman there refereeing them. They think that you pay more attention to them than uh, the main counterpart of us. But men were like, sometimes they were behaving like uh, small children, like, oh, they're pulling my shirt. So you need to, you know, you need to show yourself professionalism. You need to show yourself that you don't take things personally, that you're there to do your job as a ref. And it doesn't matter what is your gender, but you're representing, you're a ref. So I think uh, after probably the first two or three games of the season that they do understand, uh, or after, and sometimes when they don't know you, because sometimes again, um, the, uh, the teams don't necessarily know you, 
then you have they 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 study you they challenge you like kids basically and then when they understand that actually you're serious you're really there just to do your job but there is nothing else that you care then they are they get more serious as well so it's a good i think i would suggest to do a little bit of ref to get a little bit of the neat and grit of the rules as well and uh, but also for a matter of confidence because if you you are in a way i felt I, at the time, I felt protected by my jersey and by my knowledge of the rules. So whatever was happening around, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't fearful and I was confident because I know the rules. I know I'm wearing a jersey, so I'm here to apply and to make your job as players easier and to make the game easier. So it's not for me. I'm actually working for you guys to make this game enjoyable and safe for you and uh, a good game for the, the fans. So if you go with this uh, uh, mentality as a ref and that you develop this with time, then you it, it, it's a, a win-win. And also, sometimes I, I got things wrong as a ref, as players get things wrong as a players. And I think being uh, being able also to explain that at the start, like, I'll do my best. You know? Like, I, my, my speech at the start was that after checking the uh, documents, I was always like, hi, guys, uh, let's have fun. I'm here to do my best. And I'm here to support you in a in a, in this game, and let's let's all have a good uh, a, a good game and good fun. And I think when they see that you are not there to compete, because I'm not competing to, with anyone, I think they kind of appreciate that you are a human being and you're trying to do your best. And when they protest, I remind them what I did. It's like, hey, I'm doing my best. Really, it's nothing personal. If I didn't see, I, I'll do. I'll pay more attention. So try to have a dialogue with the players, and that also makes you understand that you know ref might get things wrong and that's why right now i'm very respectful even with my with even and i teach that even with my players sometimes i i see mistakes like and you're like and i have the tendency of defense like oh come on how didn't you do see uh, how didn't you see that but then i step back and like hold on a second you know there and i, I try to reinforce that like the ref is that uh, it didn't whistle that so we move on you know we need to appreciate the fact that we have a ref that is actually helping us in managing this because also refereeing, I think, is so under-evaluate uh, role within football. And there is a lot of effort for them, you know, being up to date with knowledge in the rule, knowing, uh, knowing the rules and uh, showing up as well. Because I think about um, a ref showing up to your game and having maybe four games one after another here in the UK. That is a lot of commitment. And for, they don't gain a lot of money, um, so it, it, it's also a little bit volunteering, but that shows another way of being passionate about the game and thinking that they're trying to, you know, to make your game beautiful and safe. So if you think with this mentality and you don't think that, oh, they prefer this jersey than that jersey, they, they, at this level especially, I, wouldn't, I would never think about, oh, you are a favorite, uh, you are really all bias and for this team instead of our team i think more like well you're doing your best and uh, and also at the end i always have a chat with the ref just to make sure that he's okay it happened that sometimes you know you get parents a little bit heated for for the result even though we are under 10 that happens and i just make sure that they are okay but it's good to see that some some uh, uh, most of the ref are always very nice. It's like it's always an enjoyment to come here and ref for, for your teams because you guys are always looking after us. And I think that is 
a way of caring of the game as well. If everyone involved in the game cares about each other, the game is uh, more pleasant, first of all, more enjoyable. And results, yes, matter, maybe at times, but we are all there to make the game beautiful. You talked about earlier that everyone is passionate in Italy, even within their neighborhoods for their teams. And you're talking about, I mentioned your grandma or grand, you know, granny. What was it like when you made the decision to leave Italy? You said you stopped in Sweden for a little bit and then you went to England. What's it like to make that decision of I'm going to go pursue some of my dreams and it's going to take me away from that family atmosphere? Ooh, I think it's uh, um, you. Uh, my my uh, always. I always think about that. I'm not a tree, you know. If you see that you are uh, unhappy or you can't be what you you want to be, why? And you have the opportunity, the the advantage of moving around. Why not trying? So when I, I started in early ages, I did a trial when I was. Uh, uh, university I did an exchange program with uh, York University in Toronto, Canada, and uh, yes, in the 90s, and that meant uh, even there, no internet, nothing. So I was on the other side of the world with my mom leaving messages on my voicemail. Um, uh, but and I loved it. I loved the, the experience of living alone, being in a culture that was full of other people' culture. Because at the time, Italy. I just met Italians at the time. So when I was thrown at 19 years old in, uh, in an environment, in a university, in a completely different country with completely different culture, a lot of first generation. And I thought, oh, I quite like this way. Then I came back and uh, I struggled in. Uh, so my cultural gap was when I came back. And since then, I was always intrigued to go somewhere. But for a reason or another, uh, a little bit for study, a little bit because I wanted to give myself a little bit more opportunity where I was living. I'm an only child after all. So I was like, oh, let's stay here. Then one of my uh, friends, um, he moved uh, he, while I was in uh, uh, while I was in Toronto, he moved to Denmark for, a, for an exchange. And then he stayed in Denmark. And he, uh, we had a back and forth conversation about why don't you try to come to uh, to Scandinavia, you know, you might have a lot of opportunity. Football is soccer is quite strong. Then your background, because my background is in sports psychology, you might get something out of it. And I tried to to go back there. He was living in Copenhagen. I tried to go around Copenhagen and southern Sweden. Um, and I said, uh, and I found the uh, culture quite intriguing for equality, for way of life for women, for freedom for opportunity to study. So I'm like, okay, and um, I quite like it here. So I was able to get later on into a master program. Then I went to my mom and I said, guys, next year, uh, I need a little bit of your support because I'm going to move to Sweden and study, uh, and study you know, university for two years, a master. And that is where my mom was like, this is the last straw. If you don't move <laughs> to Sweden, and then because I said, I, I'll study there and I'll move there for good. And she was like, this is the last straw. You study there. I don't want to hear that you study anymore. Just go there. And, uh, and, and then I had, you know, to try to make it clear. Like, no, but there are flights. Uh, every, I can be here in two hours. So it's not going to harm anyone. It's like moving somewhere else in Italy. But after two years in Sweden, I understood that I got my degree. I got a master at Lund University. But after, I would say, after a year in Sweden, I was I understood that unless 
I was able to learn speaking Swedish at a high level in quite quick time. Even though everyone speaks uh, English and honor that, um, for me, it would have been very hard to find a job within sport, just speaking English. So the other option at the time was uh, with a European passport was to look somewhere where I was understanding the language, even though with the accent. And that's where, uh, and there were a lot of opportunities in sports in the UK. I was in the, uh, I was familiar with the UK because I visited London several times. And I moved and I found a summer job uh, at the, before graduating. So I graduated on the 1st of June, 2013. And I moved back home to change clothes and everything. But, and I moved back to, and I found a job. I started in the UK on the 30th of June, 2013. And, uh, and then I moved, and then, then the majority of jobs are in London. And so after my summer job, I moved to London. And uh, I've been working in sports since then. And together with that, I've been developing this passion for women football. And I was able, I'm very privileged because uh, I've been able to to see the uh, growth of uh, women's soccer here in the UK, which has been massive uh, since I moved. And I feel like I've been part of it. So I'm a a little bit of a fan of the WSL, a little bit of a fan of the Lionesses because I saw it growing up and I was a little bit part of it in the background. So, One of the things I w that stands out to you, you've talked about when you refereed, you were one of two females in that. Um, just the opportunity to work right now with like an all-girls um, grassroots type team. You just talked about the Lionesses. You talked about Italy being a like the men's pro program everyone's into and the women are slowly growing how important is that for you as a as a female and an opportunity to make impact on your players that you've stepped out and been a referee how important has that been for you and now just like you said to start seeing that the women's game continues to start growing and is is garnering more and more attention i think if you as uh, is a kind of a uh, probably abuse term, but if you can see it, you can be it. And mm -hmm. I think that it's very important having not just a woman refereeing, but different uh, or a coach, but different kind of women involved into the, the sport with different background. Yes, I have an accent. It's clear that I'm not British, but in London, who doesn't have an accent? Everyone <laughs> here has an accent and could be even uh, just from North England. You know, so is and uh, it's it's a given that all the players that I have never questioned my accent. They sometimes ask me what where are you from and if I grew up here or not. But uh, that's to say that that it's so good to see other women being involved. And uh, there are some women that are different than me. Some women that are like me. Um, I'm personally met in one of the courses a girl and then we were chatting and she was and at a certain point it comes out that she's from Milan that she, and, and then we're like why do we keep chatting in English then so it's the fact that it's kind of a movement per se but there is a lot of solidarity and a lot of help we tend to help each other and I think what the girls see is that oh so I can be a coach if I want to, uh, I can be a ref if I want to. And when we see women refereeing, 
um, the girls that are always uh, helping each other, like, oh, we have a woman today, we have a girl today. Um, and because I think representation matters and maybe you might not enjoy playing a long time or maybe you, for any reason, you finish playing or you want to experiment yourself in something else in the game, maybe farther down the line, so why not? Um, and I saw... Uh, some mom taking on, I, I inspire some uh, parents in taking on uh, coaching because if you're there for your uh, for your daughter, why don't you just jump in and be an assistant coach for a YC if you like it and then you can move on. There is, I also coached the uh, recreational team for Actonians because it's just very um, easy to do because I finished my session and a half an hour later I started with the women's and some of the ladies there, they, they, at the start, we were six or seven, and now we are 18. And some of them are coming because the group is very positive, but also because uh, I'm there coaching and they say they see a woman coaching, which uh, sometimes a little bit clumsy here and there, or sometimes uh, uh, I'm not very good in maths. So sometimes I, I just say the numbers and they just laugh. And it's a recreational environment. And I think they feel relaxed. They don't feel the pressure. And they say, I just come here actually for a kick about and a laugh. And because you, I actually learned something at the end. So having, hearing that in the background, I'm, I'm, and I always try to get them in doing a course online because in, in, in the UK, it's easy. You can get a badge even just online just to get them involved in another side of the game because some of them are parents of themselves. So I say, why don't you come and try? So it's just a way, I think, to to inspire other other girls. And the more we are, the better the game gets. So look at where mm -hmm. has been in the how it developed. And just because it just you know people have uh, that passion of the game or maybe have been in the game wanted to implement that. So depending where you are uh, in uh, in the ladder, uh, you can implement just being there. And there are so many programs in the UK but, uh, that give you opportunities as a woman to get into the ladder and to get more badges. So, and there are just uh, uh, women tailored courses. So, if you, for any reason, if you feel a bit pressured or if you don't feel like at ease or for any reason your schedule doesn't work for you with the other with the male's counterpart, there are dedicated courses for for uh, for women. So, there is one right now that is uh, um, for referee, just women ref. And I think it's very important to have these experiences for women, even to be to feeling, just to feel relaxed and being able to say, oh, I, I have never understood the offside. Can you, somebody, just throw it. Or even or even more simple than that, what is a um, goal kick, you know? Sometimes you need even people that might not know the, the technical terms, but they may be at savvy of football or they have the kids in football. And instead of uh, just being in the car waiting for them to finish, it's like, oh, let, let me get involved and do some movement and, and feel happier and give something back to the community. You mentioned earlier that you did some stuff. I think you said it was charity based type thing with soccer. What other things beyond like maybe coaching have you been a part of that's act and beyond refereeing that's actually you know, incorporated, been influenced by soccer? So who? Um, so in Italy, I was involved in the anti-racist World Cup. Uh, it's a World Cup that all the fans of uh, soccer uh, teams, but even I would say I would widen that to sports because there was basketball fandom as well. 
uh, it's a it was a three days uh, camping where you have tournaments during the day of all the fans, and in the evening you have concerts or TV debate or sorry or cinema debates uh, stuff like that. And uh, I found it very interesting because during during the year you might swear almost to each other, but then in those three days you are the best buddy whatsoever, <laughs> and you change shirts and stuff. So I found it, and I think it's uh, uh, at the time that was back in the day, so back before uh, early two thousand. I think it's still there, but I think it it reduced. But having the idea that people were coming from different parts, not just of Italy, but even from Germany, we had some Pauline coming in. And just gather it for a free tournament. I think that is great and gives you the the idea how strong is uh, fo- uh, soccer for everyone and how the passion is. Actually, we have all a passion together. And even though none of us were at the time understanding each other, there was people speaking break- broken English, people not speaking English, just drinking uh, or playing. I think that the, we were all having a passion for a team and we were all there because of soccer. Uh, that was one. Uh, I think other things based. So we, uh, as uh, Actonians, we have done some uh, refugee uh, days. So we uh, supported the. We had the tournament within refugees, and we gave. Um, we took as part of our teams, for example, girls, and we match up with the girl, girl refugee and play football together. Uh, and at the end, everyone had a meal. Uh, and we collect, uh, uh, and at times we collect uh, um, jersey uh, uh, for or equipment for refugees to be distributed. And there is uh, Shadia, who is our community officer, that actually at times not just collects but goes. She went to Morocco, I think, last year, and give it uh, and give the equipment to them. And uh, this, uh, I'm I currently. Uh, work for a football club and a professional football club here in the UK, uh, but now as a coach, uh, as a um, head of uh, um, player care. And uh, we are organizing a visit to uh, a charity on uh, this upcoming Saturday uh, with the, some of the players. And uh, again, we there is a charity that is trying to uh, improve uh, provision for uh, people in Ghana uh, in terms of clothes. So we are going to donate some clothes. And the people there are so interested in sharing with us uh, a little bit of uh, black uh, history month, black history uh, footballers that have been part of the uh, uh, of soccer here in the UK. So it's very interesting how soccer is kind of a way to rotate a lot of things. Um, and it could be charity-based, it could be not charity-based, but there are a lot of uh, things coming out, good things coming out from football. The one thing that kind of stands out, you are you one that has always been willing to try new things and to like almost be a lifelong learner, like going to Toronto and going to Sweden, and now you're in England, and now you're doing charity-type things here, and you're coaching, and you've refereed. Have you always, like, where did that... Um, passion for learning come from? I I don't know where it comes from. Uh, I think it's more our way of living. We have just one life and uh, it, the, life is so full of opportunities and uh, I just go with the flow what I like and I try and sometimes, you know, 
sometimes you just don't like that side of things so you move on or sometimes it's just the, the stage of life so I was a player unfortunately I'm one of these people I have to say that I love sports but sports don't love me back <laughs> and I was a player I wasn't great I always make the excuse that I started too late as uh, guys you always say there is uh, their knee is uh, has a little bit of a problem for me it's like I started too late so I wasn't able to to be a great player but I'm, the, the thing is that I don't think I was skilled enough to be a good player uh, but I had so much passion for 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 the game that I wanted to try to get as many experience as possible within the game and or rotating around the game and that's why and also football uh, or soccer as a, I always get confused here um has always um a rotate like gave me so many things it gave me all my friends I still have friends since the 90s because of the game it gave me a way of living I I've been out of trouble because I was always out and about and about playing with a uh, with a ball um so I think it's kind of, uh, it has given me so much. It has been part of my life that if I can embrace anything that rotates into that. And I love people. That's another part of me. I love people. I would never been able to do a job without, that doesn't involve people or being just myself for a long period of time. So throwing into environment that I'm, I'm, I was not familiar with, for me, it's just like, wow, that is uh, another life. Let's try it, you know. Probably, um, if I ha I, I feel myself a little bit like a video game that you can experiment <laughs> other lives, but actually using myself as a person. And and I have to say, music and and definitely uh, soccer were part of uh, so many conversations, so many um, uh, points where I can I was able to connect with others independently of my level of English or my level of the language or anything so yeah I like I like to be throwing the mud and see what happens basically uh so here you are you're you're rock and rolling doing the grassroots coaching and what have you and you're looking to take your UEFA B and continue to learn and grow what is is there a kind of an end goal for Coach Nat, do you have a level that you'd like to get to? You talked about there's a pathway for the players to go higher. Is there a kind of maybe a ladder that you want to continue to keep going up? Maybe is there a dream kind of spot that you'd like to get to? I have a dream. <laughs> and my oh. dream is uh, to uh, work in the – to always work with development because I think uh, I am good with the young people and you're good with the young girls. I do understand them quite a lot. So I would like to work for the talent for the new talent center for future lionesses one day. So that is my own dream. Uh, I think the the game. Uh, I think the opportunity, as I said, for us are growing. Uh, recently, I've been lucky enough to become a Kick It Out ambassador. Kick It Out is an organization here in the UK that uh, uh, fights racism within football, um, not just in the UK, but worldwide, quite famous. And uh, through, and I do, and I think there is a lack of diversity within the game still now. And I think being part of uh, this journey and try to get there to implement the game and uh, especially to help the young generations to grow and make the game even better than what it is now. That is my dream. Is there any part of you that would ever has like a thought of 
I'm going to go back to Italy. I'm going to coach there. I'm going to make some impact there. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I have, but don't say it too loud. Um, <laughs> that's between me and you. Yes, I would love to. I would love to contribute uh, to the movement back in the uh, back in my home country. I think there are there have been people there there are people that are trying to break the ceiling. I think Carolina Murashche that I mentioned before, she's one of the seal breakers in my country, uh, broke so many things. And I think she's one of the pioneers in terms of uh, women's soccer back there. But I think there is a lot to do, and I hope that my experience uh, here in the I think that uh, my experience here in the UK and if I can develop a little bit further and the ways developing here maybe will allow me to go back strong enough to say, okay, well, these are the things that we need to do, uh, to, to do. Or maybe I get an offer by an Italian club and then, then I go there and try to change the game from within. Who knows? You know, there are, in, in, I, don't, I don't stop thinking that I can move even though I, I feel quite settled here in the UK and I like uh, where I am because of where the game is and it's like being in a candy store for a kid. Um, but I think if I can take what I learn and then try to you know, push a little bit farther somewhere else, that would be magic. So as you're finishing out the season, what is your, what's the rest of your summer look like and when do, do you pick back up and start rocking and rolling again? So currently I'm uh, supporting, so I'm still supporting the uh, recreational team for Actonians up until uh, the, uh, probably Ju July. Then I'm helping another uh, grassroots team. Uh, they are called London Talent Football Center and they are in a little bit higher league. So they are in JPL and that will, will finish at the end of July. Uh, so August will be a little bit of a um, kind of a stopping coaching month. However, the World Cup is coming, so I will be uh, impossible hours uh, awake to to watch some of the games. And uh, and as I am lucky enough uh, to to work in a, a football club, as I said before, probably I will be able to get some of the uh, football games even where I work, but finger cross that there is a movement within the club to make it possible so we see if it happens um and the rest and the rest to, to be fair there are so many little things happening here in their presentation of books related to uh soccer and small events related to uh the world cup so we we see what happens we will resume training in uh, back in September, so first uh, uh, week of September. So up until there, there will be definitely a bit of study and uh, and preparation for the new uh, season. I saw some tips uh, on uh, on Twitter the other day about how to make positional cards for your uh, players. So I'm thinking about oh, I should do something similar. So a little bit of uh, digging something to surprise my players when I come back. Coach Nat, I have absolutely loved this chat. This has been awesome, and I'm going to shut it down. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Coach Nat, Natasha Bernardi, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you so much for having me.
What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.